Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to hear a little bit about Texas history. This uh, 2023 is closing out. This episode's being recorded and released in late December 2023, and this marks the bicentennial of the Texas Rangers. We've done several Texas Ranger episodes this year, and I hope you'll go back and check those out. We're going to close out the year with an episode about a ranger from the early 20th century who went on to have a very different, very interesting, and very significant career as a United States congressman. And then at the end of a summary of his life, uh, I interview his grandson, and uh, we talk a little bit about his life, and we also talk about uh, the family story. So what's it like to have a ranger in the family. Now this by no means, uh, 2023 closing out by no means uh, will we be done with the Texas Rangers because they are so involved in all aspects of Texas history, but this will uh, be the final bicentennial episode. So let's go back to rural Texas in the early 20th century and get wise about Texas. The story is about an individual named Milton Horace West. Milton H. West had many occupations. He was a Texas Ranger. He was a Chamber of Commerce president. He was a bank president. He was a district attorney. He was a state rep, and he was a congressman. How in the world he packed all of that into one life reveals a man with a tremendous work ethic and a very interesting background. He had ancestors on his mother's side that fought in the American Revolution, and indeed one was a member of the first Congress of the United States. On the other side of his family, he had a great-great-grandfather who was a member of the first Congress of the Republic of Texas. And I can't resist digressing a little bit and talking about that particular great-great-grandfather. That was Claiborne West. Claiborne West uh, was born about 1800. He was born in Tennessee, and like so many from Tennessee, uh, he moved to Texas uh, via Louisiana. He actually got married in Louisiana and then came to Texas about 1831. He was elected to the convention of 1832 from the Liberty District. He eventually uh, represented the Jefferson Municipality in the General Council. Now, the General Council, we've talked about this in other episodes, was the 1835 an early 1836 body that preceded what most people are aware of, which is the Convention of 1836. He attended the conviction, Convention of 1836 and uh, signed the Declaration of Independence. He was back in southeast Texas uh, during the Revolution, but furnished some provisions to San Jacinto soldiers and then joined the Army in July 1836. Uh, The first Congress of the Republic would begin meeting in October of 1836 after being elected in September of that same year, and uh, Claiborne West was elected from Jefferson County. So he served in the first Congress of the Republic. He then became uh, a postmaster, then moved to Montgomery County in 1840. And I might mention, uh, listeners, my own great-great-grandfather moved to Montgomery County in 1842, 
Uh, so I wonder if they knew each other. I have no doubt that they did. In the middle part of the 19th century, he moved again to Guadalupe County and died in 1866. So Milton H. West came from a long line of people with a great record of service to Texas. Milton H. West's father was also named Milton. His middle name was Crockett. And uh, he moved to Floresville, Texas in 1889 to uh, buy a dairy farm. And this is where Milton H. West spent most of his youth. As were children in those days, he was employed on the dairy farm, employment being a strong word since he got paid nothing. Everybody worked for the family fortune. Milton would have worked before and after school. Uh, school in Florenceville, Florenceville, which he did attend, was nine miles away by horseback. One of his main occupations on the farm was delivery boy. He would deliver quarts of milk at five cents a quart to the customers of the dairy farm before school. And this earned him the nickname Leche, which of course is Spanish for milk. And he was known as Leche West even during his service in Congress. It was in Floresville that he also became a very accomplished baseball player. They would have um, baseball leagues, kind of bush leagues, we'd call them, uh, all over the place. And he was a wonderful left-handed pitcher. And I'll let uh, his son tell you more about that in the interview coming up. And after Milton H. West graduated high school in Floresville, Floresville he went on to the West Texas military school in San Antonio, which is now known as TMI. He worked his way through West Texas Military Academy and then was planning on going to the University of Texas, uh, but he discovered that his brother was ambushed, shot, and seriously wounded near the Mexican border in the valley. He went down there to check on things and became interested in the work the Rangers were doing on the border uh, to secure it and protect the citizens and this is an interesting fact. After graduating from the West Texas Military Academy, he was actually offered a commission in what was then known as the Canadian Northwest Mounted Police. But he had no interest in taking that, even though it would have been a very prestigious position, because he was more concerned with things around home. So he joined the Rangers. He served with the Texas Rangers on the border for two years. This got him interested in the law. So he shifted gears and decided to become a lawyer. Now, back then, to be eligible for the bar exam, all you had to do was study uh, under some mentors, and uh, it was called reading the law until they would certify that you were ready to take the bar exam. So he worked for two judges. One was Judge James A. King in Floresville, and the other was the legendary Judge James B. Wells known as Jim Wells. Rest assured, listeners, we'll have an episode or two or a few on Jim Wells. He entered a business college in San Antonio and uh, passed the Texas bar exam in 1915. He was actually law partners with Judge King and moved to Brownsville in 1917, where he became a law partner of Judge Jim Wells. He formed uh, the law firm of Canales, Davenport, and West for a couple of years, and was associated with that firm when he uh, left to become a congressman. Now, it was while he was practicing law that his political career started. He was first appointed a district attorney to fill a vacancy. Governor Pat Neff appointed him. He was elected in the regular election, 
And that got him involved in politics. He became involved at the grassroots level and assisted uh, Dan Moody in his election for governor. And Milton West enjoyed a lifelong friendship with Governor Moody. Dan Moody, you may know, before he was governor, was a district attorney in Travis County and uh, Williamson County. And he gets most of the credit for bringing down the Ku Klux Klan. West went on to be elected to the state legislature in 1931 and then served there for two years and in 1933 was first elected to the United States Congress. As a representative in the state house um, and as well as Congress, one of West's big issues was agriculture in the valley. And of course, that means one thing above all, water. He started that work in the state legislature. He had introduced a bill to create water districts in uh, the Valley counties, but he had bigger plans. That was just the first step. And his biggest plan was to eventually accomplish the feat of getting a treaty regarding the Rio Grande water uh, treaty between the United States and Mexico. Well, in 1932, John Nance Garner from Uvalde became vice president of the United States. So that congressional seat, uh, which included West's district was open. Nine candidates filed for that seat. But West had an advantage. He had been in office in the area, and when he took a statewide legislative, or excuse me, state legislative office, he focused on the issues most important to his district uh, relating to agricultural and, uh, agriculture and specifically water. That made him very popular. But with nine candidates, there's no doubt there's probably going to be a runoff, and there was. There was a two-person runoff between um, Milton West and Gordon Griffin, and Gordon Griffin was from uh, Hidalgo County, McAllen. But West had a big advantage in this because Garner's political machine in Uvalde County, still intact, uh, endorsed West over Griffin, and West won the runoff comfortably beginning his congressional career. And just to show you that uh, name ID issues in politics are timeless, uh, West was interviewed in a newspaper and uh, commented, the newspaper was in Dilly, Texas, and he commented that one of the reasons he thought he won in that area was that he went, when he went back up to Floresville to campaign, uh, they all remembered Leche West, the great pitcher. So uh, whatever it takes. West arrived in Washington, D.C. in May 1933 and was introduced on the floor of the House by fellow South Texas Congressman Richard Clayburg, and Milton set to work. Now, that tremendous work ethic that he built over his life and his hyper-focus on the agricultural issues started to pay off immediately. There's a newspaper article from December 1933, so barely six months after he arrives in Washington, D.C., and the headline of that article in the San Antonio Light was Milton West Gets Bacon for District, and it goes on to describe uh, how he achieved uh, respected leadership spots even as a baby congressman, no doubt being assisted by uh, John Nance Garner in those efforts. But here's the main thing about Milton West. He never went home. You know, congressmen today, of course, we have um, more advanced air travel. They're back in their district pretty much every weekend. And uh, Milton West didn't go home. He committed to serve 
uh, his district in Washington, and he stayed in Washington. And one of the reasons that he did that was he learned that when others weren't there, it was a lot easier to get to know agency staff, the, the, bureau, the bureaucracy that makes things happen, if you're there all the time. And he stayed there and worked relentlessly on the issues he cared about. One of the issues that he uh, was really interested in was the building of an international bridge across the Rio Grande. There really were no bridges uh, that where you could uh, funnel uh, people who were coming across the border. And people in during this time period uh, came and went every day um, and still do um, across these bridges. But there, there wasn't a bridge, hard as that, hard as that is to believe. And so uh, Milton West brought a bill to allow a company to build a bridge that was to be a toll bridge across the Rio Grande. And, and uh, Congress people from across the country, for various reasons, were objecting to this. And uh, But West would not give up. And so finally, uh, one day he brings the bill up and uh, another congressman uh, who had previously uh, objected and held up the bill, once again objected, saying that he had, now this congressman was not from Texas, but he had a telegram from a Mr. Beretta of San Antonio who claims that the bill would be, quote, ruinous ruinous to his interests. West pointed out that Mr. Beretta had testified before the committee. Of course, a bill has to be passed out of committee before it comes to the floor. And um, the other congressman said, well, but Mr. Beretta requests that this bill be held up until he can communicate directly with Mr. West, to which West replied, I have had half a dozen telegrams and letters from him already, to which the other congressman replied, but has the gentleman heard from him today? Um, so you can tell it was coming right down to the wire. But eventually, of course, that and other bridges got built. Before we go to the interview, let me give you just kind of a brief summary of uh, some of the things that West accomplished early in his congressional career. Uh, flood control money for the Rio Grande and money to straighten the channels of the Rio Grande, dredging to keep the river open, uh, the building of jetties and dredging of the channel near Port Isabel, that's now the Port of Brownsville, loans from the Reconstruction Finance Corporation. Now, that was a um, government entity established during the Depression, headed actually by Jesse Jones from Houston to provide government money for public works projects and other relief around the country. And uh, they would loan money to these water districts so that the various water districts up and down the Rio Grande could make improvements for the benefit of their local farmers, both irrigation and drainage. Multiple uh, bills uh, for the relief of farmers and ranchers um, impacted by the Depression. In other words, a whole lot of money for his congressional district. And his work would end up changing the face of the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, uh, both in the water with the irrigation and flood control and above the water with international bridges. So if you look back at Milton West's career, he was on his way to college when that unfortunate episode with his brother on the border got him interested in law enforcement after law enforcement led him to the law and the law led him to politics. 
And Mr. West was very effective every step of the way. Now I'm going to transition to an interview I conducted with Milton H. West's grandson, Milton H. West III, lives in Houston, and let him talk a little bit about growing up with such a famous grandfather. Here's the interview. Milton, thanks for joining us on Wise About Texas today. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. The listeners have already heard a little bit about your grandfather and his career um, in the Rangers and in the state legislature and Congress, but uh, introduce yourself, if you would, to the listeners. Well, thanks again, Ken. Um, I'm Milton H. West III. was born here in Houston, and my father is Milton H. West Jr., the son of Milton H. West. Well, um, and I'm going to call you Milton with your permission. And, and, Certainly. Uh, and I'll use your grandfather's full name. But wait, did you know your grandfather, first of all? I did, I did not, not. Never met him. He died in office in 1948. You, you didn't know him personally, but tell us a little bit about uh, how somebody with a career like his, how those stories filter down through a family. Well, it's certainly a family lure to uh, have uh, a family member that was uh, part of the Texas Rangers. Uh, it's certainly uh, an honor, and um, I believe that the Ranger mantra of always getting your man filtered down through the generations um, and provided uh, a, a, a tradition. Uh, as your listeners might know that uh, from the, his history, uh, he was uh, a very serious man, uh, a man of singular purpose, whether that was serving in the Texas Rangers from 1911 to 1912 or in the U.S. Congress. Well, he... Uh served in the rangers i'll remind the listeners uh, on the border with mexico in the early 1900s which was a very tumultuous time um, on both sides of the border and the people of south texas faced incursions from military style incursions from mexico uh, a lot and so the rangers down there were were basically on military duty and his life was at risk every day Um, how did those stories get told to you and your siblings or did they well we weren't cognizant of the constant danger that uh, you mentioned but of course that uh, is certainly the case Uh, the uh, famous bandits of uh, Pancho Villa and Emilio Escapada uh, were were told at, at family outings so what what were um did your father sort of what did he say about your grandfather that grandfather was uh, a a tough man <laughs> but he, he had to be he he's, he certainly was and uh dad always appreciated just how tough he was and there's certainly family stories of 
grandfather finding a uh, bobcat kitten and raising it. Every so often, he would have to put on heavy gloves and go toe-to-toe with this bobcat so that it could be trained so he could walk it through the streets of Brownsville on Saturday afternoon. I bet that was a sight. Yeah, not many people keep wild animals for domestic pets like that. Um, but that was the life those rangers had to lead down there. And y'all still have some, some land down there in South Texas, don't you? Certainly do. What are some of the West family stories about your grandfather? Well, there are numerous stories about him. Uh, they are normally uh, around... Uh, his exploits uh, as a ranger and member of Congress. After serving in the Rangers, he became a district attorney and assistant district attorney for Cameron County. As a prosecutor would, he put some of the criminals in jail those criminals told him that once they got out, they were going to take retribution. And so he carried a pistol with him the rest of his life. We still have that pistol. I will also tell you that he kept that pistol on him every day of his life, including his service in the state legislature and the U.S. Congress. So he was carrying a gun on the floor of the U.S. Capitol? Yes, he was. Well, that's interesting, and you still have that artifact. Yes, we do. Do you have any other artifacts from his service as a ranger? No, we don't. We never did find his ranger badge. In fact, in talking to my dad, he was not sure that he ever had a badge made for himself. Irrespective of that, we we don't have his badge, and the only artifact we have is his Army issue Colt 45 that was made in 1898. Um, well, that's not unusual because at those times the Rangers mustered in and out, you know, regularly, and he would have had to have made his own badge. That's correct. And, uh, did, how did the West family get to Houston? Because he, after his Ranger service and after he represented um, South Texas in Congress, um, and lived the rest of his life in Brownsville, didn't he? Correct. Yeah, and how did the West family get up to Houston? Well, my father uh, spent his formative years in Brownsville and went to college at George Washington University in D.C. so that he could be closer to his dad because the congressman spent most all of his time in D.C. Once Dad graduated from University of Texas Law School, he was hired by a firm here in Houston, Andrews, Kurth, Campbell, and Jones, and Dad effectively moved to Houston in 1938. 
Now, you mentioned something interesting about being closer to his father because his father was in Congress. Something that uh, the listeners heard earlier was that he, uh, in a very unusual move, he stayed in Washington most of the time as a congressman, did not coming home every weekend like they do now. Of course, it would have been harder back then, but still, he didn't come home a whole lot, and as a result, got a tremendous amount of money for the Valley. Um, and we'll get into that in a minute, but... Um, how, how has that been discussed in the family, or what do you, where do you think that sort of singular purpose came from? Well, he learned as a new congressman that by staying in D.C., you could deal with the federal agencies a lot easier and get to know them on a business level and be able to get more things done than being a transitory congressman. Talk a little bit about that work, and because you all still have interests down in South Texas. I know you spent a lot of time growing up going to South Texas. What, uh, what was his impact on the Valley? It still resonates today from his early beginnings as a state legislator one of his prime objectives was to irrigate the valley. And how do you do that? Well, you have to manage the waters from the Rio Grande. So he began his quest to organize the irrigation and reclamation of the floodwaters of the Rio Grande River. He maintained that cause all the way from his years, three years as a Texas legislator to his years in the U.S. Congress, ultimately helping to form the Rio Grande Water Master and to finally get treaties with Mexico on the agreement for the allocation of the waters. Which probably in, at that time was one of the biggest issues, maybe, maybe in the country, because the land is so productive down there when you can get water to it. And it's uh, uh, those are issues that we still talk about today. That very treaty uh, is still discussed today. Uh, there's always issues about water, especially in 2023. Let me add one other uh, issue that he championed was he was very cognizant of the uh, immigration issues of, of, of the time. And he was especially interested in getting bridges across the Rio Grande so that federal authorities could better supervise the immigrants from Mexico who were constantly pouring into the United States without even the knowledge of the proper authorities. So on April 17, 1934, he introduced a bill, House Resolution 9185, authorizing the International Bridge Company and its successors to maintain operate a bridge across the Rio Grande at Laredo. Yeah, and that, that really, uh, the modernization of those bridges, because it would make immigration not just to control it, but also make it easier 
on those that did wish to immigrate to come. Uh, and then, of course, back in those days, people went back and forth all the time. Correct. And, uh, we didn't have the problems that we seem to have today. What, um, what are some other family stories that uh, you recall uh, that you heard in your youth about your grandfather? Was he used, I guess what I'm asking you is, was he used as an example to you and your siblings? Yes, he was. Um, and it was in the context of the, a longer line of service to the state of Texas. Tell us about that. When you say longer line, he, he had an answer. I, I know the answer to the question, but he had, tell the listeners about uh, your earliest Texas ancestor. Well, my grandfather's great-great-grandfather was Claiborne Larkin West, who my middle brother is named after. And he came to Texas in 1831 from Tennessee and eventually was uh, selected to represent uh, one of the first Congresses of Texas and ultimately became one of the signers of the Texas Declaration of Independence, which you might have told the listeners that that at the time was a bold statement putting your name to that declaration pretty much put a target on your back so your grandfather for all uh, for all his wonderful service to texas was just one of a line and uh so what are the qualities that you think your your father and mother tried to impress on you that came from the original milton west well i think it was several qualities one of the major ones was uh, singular of purpose to be focused and committed to what you believed in and i certainly saw that in my dad uh, how committed he was to uh, his, his practice his family and i believe that trickled down to uh, me and my brothers and sister well that uh let me ask you this. Uh, fascinating career, fascinating life. Uh, what, what is the legacy of having somebody like Milton H. West in your family? What does that mean to you as a Texan, and uh, how does that stay with you? Well, it certainly gives you original roots, and it is part of the lure of of texas that uh, he was there in sort of the wildest of times as texas secured its border and that is evidenced by even conversations when it comes out that my grandfather was a texas ranger everyone in the conversation is excited is glad to know somebody whose relatives served in the texas rangers so it's an honor uh, it's uh, a part of our family history that we hold on to well milton thanks for sharing a little bit of your thoughts uh, of your family history is there anything that i forgot to ask you about that you'd like the listeners to hear about the original Milton West. In 1910, 
he uh, headed to Austin to attend the University of Texas. There again, there was no money for him, but he was working his way through school when he got the news of his brother's attack on the border, and he hurried down to Brownsville to uh, check on his older brother. And what, what happened to his older brother? He was ambushed by bandits on the border, and grandfather went down there uh, in 1911 to check on him, and while he was down there, he got interested in the work that the rangers were doing to protect the citizens there on the border. And his brother was killed in that ambush, right? No, no, no he, he, was just, he survived. He was seriously wounded. I got you. Uh, but he uh, he survived, and grandfather then uh, signed up with Company C and served for for two years before uh, moving to uh, San Antonio, where he began studying in the offices of several judges. After working for the judges, he developed enough experience and credits to be able to take the bar exam and in 1915 was admitted to the bar. At that time he was living in Floresville. One of the family stories about grandfather is that he was particularly good at baseball. He was a pitcher for Floresville and was such a proficient pitcher from the port side that George Brown wrote a Washington Herald article in 1933 that Connie Mack thought so much of his pitching ability that he offered a tryout with the Philadelphia American League team. For some reason, grandfather refused to the tryout, probably because it would take him away from his singular purpose of serving Texas. Well, Milton, thank you so much for being agreeing to be on Wise About Texas and for sharing the West family stories with us today. You're welcome, Ken. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. There's really no uh, easy way to do a getting there portion, except uh, when you go down to any international bridge, particularly the one at Laredo, remember Milton H. West. And when you're eating some of that ruby red grapefruit from the valley this summer, you can thank him as well. Please uh, follow us on social media at Wise About Texas on Twitter and Instagram, Wise About Texas Facebook page. And if you want to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, go to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash wise about texas thanks again for listening go out and do something for texas today and until next time god bless texas and we'll see you down the road